Hey, Yak, if you missed last week's Bible study, I want to kind of give you a primer since we're going to keep going since we had enough students to keep going. So I don't want you to miss out on stuff that you might have missed. So we are covering Eschatology 101, which is from RYM, um, Reform Youth Ministries uh, Bible study. And so the first lesson covers and tries to answer that first question, which is what is eschatology? What is eschatology? Um, so I kind of want to give you an idea of what it is. So eschatology has Greek work, Greek roots. Um, eschatos, which means last, and logos, which means word or study of. So eschatology, if I ask you tomorrow or whenever we meet, what is eschatology? Your answer should be a study of last things. A study of last things. Now, what comes to mind when a lot of times people think of a study of last things? Do they think of the book of Revelation? Maybe the book of Daniel? And this describes a dramatic end to human history, right? And there's tons of movies on this, tons of books on this topic, uh, both secular and religious. Um, and so when we talk about a dramatic end of human history, the end of existence as we know it, we refer to this as general eschatology. It's a series of divine acts which will transform the entire created order and bring it to its God-ordained goal. Right? So this is the return of Christ, general resurrection, last judgment, and then the establishment of the eternal state, heaven, and hell. So that is one portion of eschatology. But the second portion of eschatology, which we miss, is um, what's referred to as personal eschatology. Let's be real. Death so far has a 100% success rate. Everyone will die unless general eschatology takes place. So what does it mean for you to experience the last things in this life? And so that's what's discussed as personal eschatology. Personal eschatology discusses the end or goal of human life and the fate of individuals after death. And we'll be taking a closer look to that in the coming weeks, but you need to know that that's the two features. There's the general eschatology and there is the personal eschatology. But both rely on the idea of hope. We could even say that eschatology as a whole is the study of Christian hope. Because we have hope in the last things to come. We do not fear it if we are in Christ. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Titus 2, 11 through 14. Let me read them to you. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works." So the Apostle Paul speaks of two appearings in this passage. The first appearing is 
the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. This is referring to the first advent of Christ, Christ coming in his incarnation, living an obedient life, his death, resurrection, and ascension. That's the first appearance. And that brought us salvation. The second appearing is what we know as the second advent that he talks about here. And he refers to it as our blessed hope. And what do we mean by a Christian's hope? Christian hope is the return of Christ. We're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. But it's worth mentioning that there, this happens more than 300 times in the New Testament alone. So it's discussed about, discussed about one in every 13 verses in the New Testament. So it's a big deal if you're in Christ. That we look to the hope is to come. And because we look forward in hope, it informs how we live in the present. Titus 2, 11 through 14 discusses that in detail. You know, it has a lot to do, this section of scripture, of what we do in between the first advent of Christ and the second advent of Christ. The Christ when he came in grace and the return of Christ when he will come in glory. Christ as he came in the already and accomplished our redemption. And Christ as he will return and consummate and perfect our redemption. And so this is called inaugurated eschatology. And it's a prominent theme in the New Testament. Well, where do we get the uh, term inaugurated eschatology? A president will give his inauguration address, right? He is being sworn in. But if you remember, in a election, he's already been voted on. There's been months in this in-between where we're waiting for the new leader to take office. And this is similar in the sense of how we've waited. Christ has come and has redeemed his people, but he will perfect that redemption in glory when he returns. And so, knowing this should affect how we live in the present age. We have a purpose. We have a goal. We have a path. We are to walk in purity as we walk towards Christ. So, how should we live in the present age? Paul trains us to do four things. He trains us in this verse to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. He trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Three, it trains us to wait patiently for Christ's return. And four, it trains us to pursue good works with zeal. We have much to do in the midst of this present age as we wait on the general eschatology and as we move towards our personal eschatology in the midst of an inaugurated eschatology. So we're going to be discussing that even more deeply in the coming weeks. And hopefully this gives you a good primer if you had to miss last week. Peace.